1: Hit him with a strike From the national anthem, anthem. To the bottom of the night I've been hey. Slendy Ago hey, hey. Slendy Ago hey. Slendy Ago hey. Slendy Ago hey. hey. You already know what's up uh, What's that another home run. run? But you know the job ain't done yeah. Till we hold that trophy up Sh- Hey. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 391 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with, here, with you here. It is May 3rd, 2023. Thanks, everyone, for coming on in here. While waiting for some people to come into the live show on YouTube, just a reminder, you can use my code Talking Friars on SeatGeek if you're going to one of the Padre Dodger games and you want to get $20 off your order, feel free to use that code. Uh, you can go to breakingt.com, that link that I have in the description for uh, great San Diego sports swag. Uh, and then, obviously, I'll tell you more about Gaglione Bros and Underdog Fantasy in a little bit. But just starting off here, Padres, they took two out of three against the Cincinnati Reds. They've won four out of the last five. So I'm feeling good right now about this Padres team. Sure, there are some things that we can discuss about what happened in the middle game of this series and the offense. Maybe it's not as good as we want it to be in some games, but it's not going to be perfect in every game. What I was looking at before coming on here is the encouraging things that I'm seeing from this offense in terms of the runs scored. And I'm talking about recently, like the last five games or so. Ever since they went to Mexico. I know so obviously two of those games are in Mexico. So you gotta realize that those are probably inflated. But still, let's go all the way back to the two Mexico games. 16 runs, then six runs, then eight runs on Monday, only one run yesterday, but then back seven runs today. So the over these five games, you know, four of the five games, they consistently we're able to score a good amount of runs. So I'm taking that positive right now. I'm taking the positive that this Padres team is two games over 500. And while sometimes the offense has not been clicking this year and there's been some injuries, some guys just haven't been on the field every day because of a suspension. We know who that is. Um, They're still in a good spot. Two games over 500. They're only two games back of the Dodgers who won on a walk-off granny by Max Muncie today against the Phillies, and obviously the Padres, can be in first place by the end of the weekend if they sweep the Dodgers in this upcoming series this weekend, but that's obviously asking for a lot. We'll get to that. Now, I know they have, if you look at their overall record, they have a negative three run differential right now, and so that's not great, but the pitching has been better. uh, As of late, the starting pitching is more what I wanted to, to zone in on and focus on here because the bullpen, I I think the bullpen has been pretty good this year, even without Robert Suarez. The starting pitching, it's been inconsistent like the offense. Michael Waka, Seth Lugo have some really good starts, but then they don't have good starts, you know, and uh, Seth Lugo, I think last time out right against the Cubs, gave up a couple home runs. This time out today, he pitches well. He goes six innings. One run, right? Michael Walker has had some struggle, uh, has, has had some struggles so far this season. And his last outing, six innings. This was Tuesday, six innings, no runs, two hits, walk two. Um, Snell, he's had some rough outings, right? But he delivered a really good outing on Monday. And I know this is just one time through the rotation, but you hope that this can become a trend these guys working six innings deep in the games and having these quality starts. I know there's some fans that don't really like the quality start stat, but you give the team six innings, you give this offense at least, you know, you don't allow like five runs, you allow three or less. This offense should be able to take that, what you give them as a starter and go win most of the games, I think. so. For this team, a team that should be able to score runs consistently, I, I like the quality start stat. So, let's get into these three games of this series. We'll start with Monday, then Tuesday, then today's game. Just work our way up to what happened today. And then we got the Dodgers preview, uh, talking about Hater a little bit, and then some other San Diego sports stuff at the end. So. Monday's game, the Padres won this one 8-3 to over the Reds. And what a night this was. Fernando Tatsis Jr. makes his return to Petco Park, first home Padres game since 2021, since September of 2021. And I made sure to get tickets in the right field seats because my family has season tickets, half season, and our days of the week that we have tickets are, don't really fall on a Monday uh, most of the time I think sometimes the Padres sprinkle in some Monday games but this is not a game that we had but I made sure to make sure uh, that I traded for this game so that I could be there for Tatis's return we knew what that first date was going to be back at Petco Park um, and I made sure to get tickets in right field so I could really be right where all the action was and see the see how the crowd uh treated tatis how tatis treated the right field crowd and it was great you know right when like you could tell who was running out onto the field for warm-ups by like the the, the noise of the crowd. I, I was not in my seat yet, but I was walking through the concourse and you could hear a huge cheer and it was like that's Tatis. You look over. Yep that's Tatis running out to do some stretching. Then when I got to my seats, waited a little bit, lineups introduced, he gets a big ovation, and then he gets a big ovation again when he runs out to right field for the first time, like actually his position right field. And I think this is what he's doing every game now. He's running kind of down the right field line, turning the right field corner, and then going to right field, like his normal right field position bowing to the fans, taking his hat off, bowing to the fans. And I like that, you know, just respecting the fans because they're part of the people that are paying, you know, your your salary. And you let all of us down last year. So treating the fans the right way, I think, is the only way he should go about this. And so far, so good. Uh, got three hits on the night. First uh, first at-bat was a ball hit to short, beat it out. Then he had a couple singles to left. Made a tremendous play in the eighth inning in the right center field gap. From my seats, I was sitting in 131, and I didn't know if he was going to get there. I knew Trent Grisham was not going to be able to get there. And sure enough, looks like maybe the ball is about to get down. Tapia was on the mound, by the way. And Tatis leaps up, makes the catch. And then he runs up to the wall, uses the wall to kind of stop himself. And the fans that are right there, they're uh, they're like starstruck. Like, oh my gosh, Tatis is right there, right in front of me. So that was really cool. I posted a picture of that on Twitter, but that that was cool. Um, they, they were just like, holy cow, Fernando's right in front of me. But yeah, tremendous catch. And he's already getting a lot better at right field. You know how Crony was struggling I don't want to say struggling but he wasn't picking a lot of balls early in spring training part of that was the glove as well breaking in the glove but now he is tremendous at first base and he is he's just starting there full time you know we're we're just at the beginning of May and Fernando you know that Arizona series a little bit in spring training as well not the best routes to balls I'm not saying every time that a fly ball is hit he takes the best route to it but they're better more consistently he's taking great routes to the ball and he can make up a little bit for that with his speed, his athleticism, right? But really his throws, I think have gotten better too. Like hitting the cutoff man, or if he doesn't, at least keeping the ball low so it can get to wherever he's throwing it quicker, or it, it will look to the runner, let's say a single to right. And he's trying to get a guy, who's trying to score right the runner on first maybe tries to take advantage and go to second because he sees the throw in arizona if it was high but now that throw is lower so it appears like okay it's going to hit the cutoff man it's going to hit crony or it's going to hit kim or bogey whoever's the cutoff man for a certain play even if it doesn't that can stop the runner from going to second base because of what it appears where the throw is going to go it appears like it's low enough to hit the cutoff man so little things like that i have noticed and I'm sure a lot of other Padres fans have noticed as well. Like, I'm just seeing improvement already from Fernando. There hasn't been, I mean, these last couple games, I don't think it's been the best at-bats, but he still hit the ball hard. Usually when he's making contact, he's hitting the ball hard, whether it's to short or to third, and he's running out balls like he usually does. So I've liked what I've seen so far from Tatis, and it's hard to... Like a set. I mean, he, he's had a pretty good sample size so far, but it's not obviously as many games as everyday position players that have been with the Padres the whole season. If I were to assess Fernando so far, like if I had to give him a grade, I'd probably give him like a a B plus, maybe an A minus. I really like what I've seen so far. Um I think you gotta knock him a little bit for some of the times where he's really aggressive in a certain situation where eh, maybe he shouldn't be that aggressive at times, or maybe he should not take as big of a hack with two strikes in some certain situations. Um, But overall I've been encouraged by what I've seen from Fernando and I'm not surprised from what I've seen. Like this guy's one of the best players in the game when he's healthy. And I think he's shown that uh, a little bit here in his return. So just summing up Monday Tatis wise, I think it was great. I mean, the only disappointment I guess is that he didn't hit a home run because whenever he returns to Petco Park, it feels like he goes yard. Remember that one game, was it 2021? He hit that bomb dead center off of Walker Bueller. It just feels like he lives up to those big moments like that. And he did on Monday. He had three hits. I'm not saying he didn't. Uh, but I guess the home run was what maybe some people were hoping for and didn't get. But he made that great highlight catch in right center. So I don't think Padre fans are complaining. And we're not complaining because they won on Monday night. Kim had that go-ahead three-run home run. And I love the dugout celebrations there. Grish went three for four. That was his first of two three-hit games in this series against the Reds. One run scored for Grish on Monday. Drove in a run. Manny came through with some insurance. Uh, And then Blake Snell. Blake Snell was huge on Monday. I I think that's a story coming out of Monday. Like, encouraging Um, six innings. First time that he's been able to go six innings so far this season, three earned runs. Didn't walk anyone, seven strikeouts. Now the hits is what he kind of is bummed out about. Like after the game, yeah, he did. He, he liked that he didn't walk anyone, but he gave up a lot of hits. Like eight hits is still a lot of hits to give up. Um, That's still a lot of base runners, right? So you want to get the hits down. And I think it's, It's unrealistic to expect him to not walk anyone. That's like a one-off. But it kind of felt like Monday night was kind of like a second-half Blake Snell start in the first half of the season. And so that was great to see because, frankly, I didn't know if we were going to see that in the first half of the season, see that type of start from Blake Snell. Uh, Especially, like, this early, like, beginning of May, I, I was not expecting to see that type of Blake Snell like we did on Monday. So I love that. And again, hopefully, like I said earlier, hopefully this is a trend for the Padres. Padres pitching staff, starting rotation, you know, going six innings, giving quality starts, keeping the Padres offense in games when they're not scoring seven runs or when they're not scoring 16 runs like they did in Mexico, right? Because that's not going to happen every night. Uh, But yeah, I loved it. Steven Wilson, Domingo Tapia combined for three scoreless innings out of the bullpen. Punched out four, didn't walk anyone. So, is that right? Monday night, no walks from Padres pitching. Let me double-check that, because Snell, yeah, Snell didn't walk anyone. And the bullpen didn't walk anyone. Yeah, no walks combined for Padres pitching on Monday. 11 punch-outs. And the bullpen didn't give up any hits. So, yeah, that that that's great. And Stephen Wilson, he's been really good. I know he's had, what, one or two appearances where he's given up a few runs. But other than that, he, he's been fantastic for the Padres. So a good win, 8-3. And they had the piñata celebration after the game. I thought that was tremendous. Hassan Kim in there with the piñata smacked that thing. And then I could not get over this. I was laughing my butt off crony dancing in that video, like where is he getting these moves from? I didn't know that he had these dance moves like that. And it was a lot of different stuff. It wasn't just the same one dance move. It was a lot of different stuff. So that video was hilarious. I know there's going to be some fans that are like, Oh, why are they celebrating? Like they won the world series or won the pennant. Against the Cincinnati Reds. Grouch, you beat the Reds. Why are we doing this? And I understand the viewpoint. Like, you don't want to get too high based on any one game of 162 in the regular season. But at the same time, it's a long season. Like, I want these guys to have fun. Isn't sports about fun? Like, winning is supposed to be fun, right? Would it be that fun if fans, your team won and you're not allowed to celebrate? No, like yeah, when you lose, it sucks. The other fan base can celebrate. When you win, I think you should be able to celebrate, especially the players. Like fans, we don't do anything to the win to contribute to the win really. Um I mean maybe crowd atmosphere, but it's the players that do it. The players are the ones that are working their tails off uh in the weight room, rehabbing if they're hurt, pre-game, during the game. Uh, after the game, you know, making sure they get their rest in and recovery. Like they put a lot into this and it's hard. Like Bob Melvin said the other day, it's hard to win baseball games at the big league level. So yeah, I think they should be able to celebrate it. Now are, is, are they going to continue doing this every game for the entire year when they win? Like, are the Padres going to tweet out a, a video today? I assume they will because it just happened. Um, I'm talking about the Mexico series, and they just got the pinata stuff going and the sombreros, and today they they had a good win, 7-1. It's not like it was a, a close win, but let's say they win a game on a wild pitch or bases loaded and an intentional walk uh, – or not intentional walk, sorry, a walk with the bases loaded. Like last year, I believe that happened, right? Kimber, I think, was on the mound, and there was a walk, and that won the game for the Padres. Or maybe that was the Diamondbacks. I forget who it was. Um, are they going to do the pinata then maybe some fans won't like that? Like that wasn't a very convincing win. Why are you celebrating like that? Maybe they'll only do it for the really good wins. I don't know, but I'm fine with them celebrating It, it. Maybe when the Padres lose and other fan bases will try to rub it in our faces. That won't be, we won't be too happy about that, but it's a long season. You got to make it fun. I think you got to keep things light. Got to keep things fun. And that's what the Padres are doing with this celebration. There's some celebrations that are forced. It feels like, but this one it's not forced. They went to Mexico. Fernando bought some of the, uh, Sombreros. Nick Martinez bought, I think the buzz Lightyear pinata and they won both of those games and they were feeling good and having those dance parties after the game. And it just continued. Like, It it it, That was not, like, a forced thing. It just happened like that. You know, Tatis wore one of the sombreros uh, on the bus to one of the games in Mexico City, and he was waiting for Nelly after he homered in Mexico City in the first game, and that was kind of like their celebration thing now. And you know how the swag chain happened in 2021? It seems like the sombrero and uh, the Polaroids are still included in this too because they're still doing that. It looks like those are their celebrations for this year. I know in 2021, the swag chain didn't work, right? They collapsed, but it just happened. And I feel like that one may have been a little more forced than this pinata sombrero thing because someone had to actually go buy that. And I know they, they bought the sombrero, the pinata, but I'm talking about like Manny or Tatis had to spend a lot of money on that swag chain, right? This one, it feels a little more unforced. I don't don't know how to say it, but it just feels like it's not forced. It just feels good. I don't know. Uh, But I'm I'm totally fine with the pinata and the celebration. Yeah, Devin says the sombrero hat is cooler than the swag chain. Holly says, I love that they're continuing to celebrate with the sombrero. Oh, yeah, Devin, you're right. The goose. Yeah, kind of for the playoffs last year. Um, Yeah, because that happened at Dodger Stadium during one of their games. Um, Holly says, Crone's sweet dance moves are the best. That was funny. It's hilarious. That video is hilarious. I recommend those who have not seen it to go check that out. And I'm sure the Padres will have another pinata video out today with Brett Sullivan doing the pinata uh, because he deserves it after the game that he had today. Uh, we'll get to that here in a second. Moving to Tuesday's game, Padres lost this one 2-1. to one. Michael Waka, another quality start there for Padres pitching, six innings, no earned runs, two hits, two walks, three punch outs. He's not going to strike out a ton of guys. That was the third straight six-inning outing uh, by Padres starting pitching, obviously. The fourth one came today with Lugo. Um, Waka, I thought he looked good. I mean, he's not going to blow people away with velocity. So he has to hit his spots, has to pitch to contact. And that's what happened on Tuesday there. I love the, the Blake Snell interview, by the way. Him, he's talking to Don and Mud, and Soda whoops a ball down the line. And Don, you know, lays out, let's Snell just take over the play-by-play. And his call was great. Look at Manny go, look at him, look at him. He he was really excited uh, when Manny scored or when, and also when Soto got the third on the throw home, right? I think someone threw home and then they tried throwing Soto out at a third. But yeah, that was great. That was, that was tremendous TV right there. And, you know, Blake, it just feels like, one, it's always good to have him on that, on Bally with the interview after he does well because the interview's probably funnier, more lighthearted. Uh, but any time, he's just a good personality. Now, I know Padres fans, they don't really care about his personality if he's not pitching well, but when he has a really good start like he did on Monday, and then he comes on, it's like the the best interview ever, and you like fall back in love with Snell, right? Now, long-term, I don't think the Padres are going to be too interested in signing him back, but I'm going to enjoy the great versions of Blake Snell that we get whenever we get him this year because he is really fun to watch when he's on his game, right? Um, So the Padres, obviously, with the loss Tuesday, there were some situations where they could have come through and they didn't, right? I mean, Crony kind of came through in the sixth inning there, had a little bloop single. At least it looked like it was going to be a bloop single, but then it wasn't. There was that great catch uh, by TJ Fredo, I think is his name, in the outfield. In the seventh, Tati struck out with the runner in scoring position. Um, so there were a couple opportunities there. They went 0 for 12 with runners in scoring position in this game. Like that just cannot happen. You're not going to win a game or many games at least when you go Ofer with runners in scoring position because then you're relying on the home run ball, you're relying on the opposing pitching staff to just uh suck, just walk a bunch of guys and wild pitches maybe to get guys into scoring position and you don't have to come through with a hit. So yeah, it was when you look at the stat 0 for 12 with runners in scoring position, you're like, yeah, no duh, of course they were going to lose that game. And it sucks because, yeah, the Padres' pitching was good. I know there's there were questions about why is Luis Garcia pitching in the tenth, Nick Martinez giving up a run, but they gave up one run. Like, it's not like they were terrible. The offense just didn't score right. Like they Cincinnati scored one run through nine innings. The Padres should be able to beat the Cincinnati Reds when the Reds score one run through nine innings. I don't care if Graham Ashcraft is doing really, really good. Like, that's what Mel said last night, and I agree. Going into yesterday, I thought it would be tough for the lefties and maybe a tough pitching matchup overall for the Padres because Graham Ashcraft has been pitching well. But this Padres offense has a ton of talent too. And the way they've been swinging the bat the last three games, the two games in Mexico, then scoring eight runs on Monday, you thought you'd see a little bit more from the Padres offense, and you just didn't get it um now let's get to what happened in the 10th inning right so let's start let's start with the hater stuff because we get we'll get to grisham and should he have bunted or not but hater garcia there were some people that thought josh hater should have been saved for the 10th inning and garcia should have pitched the ninth runner on second base in the 10th, you want your better reliever on the mound in that situation. I understand the people that think that. But you got to get to the 10th inning, right? The Padres, they were trying to win it in the ninth. And it's not like you're going to have a safe situation for Hayter in the 10th inning or the 11th or whenever, because you're the home team. So if you're the home team and the closer is available in a tie game bottom nine or top nine, you have the closer pitch then because you want to get it to the bottom of the ninth with a chance to walk it off. If you can't do it, we'll see what happens in extra innings, right? The Padres did that. Hater got through the inning and Luis Garcia. I don't think he pitched terrible. He threw what, seven pitches in the inning and the ball ended up going through on the single going through the infield. Um, I was fine with that. I, I don't really understand those that thought, I guess I kind of understand what they're saying, but that's like in hindsight, like, yeah, well, of course, if the Padres knew it was guaranteed that they were going to go to 10 innings, then yeah, you go with Hader in the 10th because there's a runner on second base to start the inning, but that's not guaranteed. They're trying to get to the bottom of the ninth. They're trying to get to at least the 10th inning with the tie game, right? If they can't come through in the bottom of the ninth and they didn't come through in the bottom of the ninth. So that's my thoughts on that. Like Hader, Bomell made – I thought he made the right decisions there. Now, with Grisham, initially last night, as I said on my post-game reaction, I thought that Trent Grisham should have had a bunt laid down there. And because the Padres were down a run, and I guess my mindset there – and maybe this was a little hindsight too. Like, let's get at least a run here to continue this game. Grish laid down a bunt. You got a runner on third with one out with Tatis up at the plate. That forces David Bell, the Reds manager, to make a big decision. Are you going to pitch to Tatis, who's riding like a nine-game hitting streak, who hit line drives, multiple line drives, leading up to that at-bat? Or do you put Tatis on first base, and you can set up a double play? You can pitch to Manny, who has been a little bit colder than Tatis. Or you could walk Manny and have the bases loaded and have a force out at home. And you could have a double play if you go home to first, right? And then get out of it that way. Like, I was trying to think of, yeah, Grish, he's good at laying down bunts. You could get a runner on third. Sackfly would score him. If David Bell, let's say, walks Tatis, he's on first. Manny lines out to left. Sullivan scores. Tie game, right? And there would be, what, two outs in that spot? That, that's kind of what I was thinking. Um, but then this morning, I kind of wake up, think about it again, and I'm like, Grish got on base, right? First and second, no outs. The bottom line is the Padres had their three best guys up at the plate. Well, Bogarts is, should be in that, but your three top guys in the order. Bogarts wasn't playing last night. You had your three guys that you wanted up that were available. You had them up. And they just didn't come through. Manny hit the ball hard, but it wasn't a hit. Soto didn't do what he did today. He didn't hit a line drive down the line, right, to score Grish and Sullivan to win the game, right? Didn't hit a gapper. Tatis struck out. Soto struck out looking. Soto, yeah, that was a questionable call, but he probably should be swinging the bat there with two strikes. I think that was a ball, but at least that's what it looked like on Valley when I was watching it. But you got to be protecting there. You should probably be swinging the bat there. Tatis, with his strikeout, maybe he should have had a shorter swing there. Looked like it was a much bigger swing there with two strikes than needed. And Manny, can't get mad at him. He he hit the ball hard. What are you going to do, right? Bottom line is, no hits came. That's just what happened. And you have a runner on second with no outs with Tatis, Soto, and Manny. Tatis, Manny, Soto, in that order, right? you should be able to at least tie the game there. And if you don't, no one comes through, then you probably don't deserve to win the game. So I've I've changed my mind, I guess, on it. Like, yeah, I'm. at the time, like even before Grish got on, I was like, he should probably bunt here. I was looking to extend the game. But I understand with the guys that are up, Bomell, the Padres, they're just trying to go win the game there. And so looking back on it, I don't think Bomel did anything wrong last night. I don't think he did anything wrong. Padres' offense just went 0-for-12 with runners in scoring position. I mean, that's what happened. So, do you think – let me know in the chat. Do you think that um, Bob Melvin should have had Grisham Bunt there? Do you think Hayter should have pitched the 10th instead of the 9th? I gave my thoughts on it. Let me know your thoughts on it. And I'll wait for some people in the chat to give their thoughts. And meanwhile, quick break break here. Check out Gaglion Bros' famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionbros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. All right, I don't see anyone um, with any thoughts on it, but that's okay, we'll move on. Um, I'm going to get to the chat, don't worry. I'll definitely get to the chat. I'll get to everyone, try to get to everyone. If you want to make sure I get to you, you want to support the channel, I encourage you to use that super chat button. That makes it very easy for me to see those comments and those questions, and so I can definitely get those read on the show. If you want to join the show, there's that link that's pinned up. I believe it's pinned. It's not. It's at the top of the chat if you want to join the show and talk to me here live. Um, All right, let's get to the third game in this series. Today, Padres win 7-1. to Another good starting pitching performance. Seth Lugo, six innings of work, one earned run, seven hits, walked two, struck out five, which I believe was exactly the number for underdog fantasy, five punch-outs. I I was going to take the I took the higher on that. I thought he was going to get at least 6. And it looked pretty good at the start, having that nasty curveball. I think that was the first batter. And I was like, "All right, I'm feeling good about this." But what I care about more obviously is Lugo going 6 innings and only giving up one run. Bounce back outing there. I don't, look, the Cubs outing that he had last time out before today, it should not have been as bad as it was because Grish had the sunball. A couple home runs were hit. Clean one by Hosmer after the umpire screwed up a call. Um I know he's you still have to make better pitches, but still that those shouldn't have happened. But results were the results, right? And so the box score didn't look great for Lugo for that Cubs outing. But today, bounce back, pitch to some contact, no manny in this game, but Hassan Kim made a couple good plays. Uh Trent Grisham, he had another three-hit day today. And he made a tremendous deke play uh, in, what was that, the first inning, to end the first. Lugo struck out, I think, the first guy on that breaking ball. And then fly out to center. There's a runner on first. Fly out to center. Trent dekes him like a normal center field deke where it looked like the outfielders do that to make it look like they're going to catch it, but you know they're not going to catch it. But Trent did that. He knew he was going to catch it. But he did that. The runner is looking. He sees the deke, so he puts his head down and keeps running to second because he's like, oh, Grish isn't going to catch it. But then Grish catches it, and he makes the throw to first, gets the double play. Crony made a tremendous stretch there. Uh, he continues to impress me at first base with his athleticism and just the plays made. It's We're what, a little more than a month into the season, and Crony's all, already made, like, a handful of gold-glove caliber plays at first base. Maybe even more than that. I mean, some diving plays that he's made, the, the diving play with Nick on the mound in Mexico. Um, There was that Bogarts play, obviously, in Arizona, where Bogarts kind of slid with that miracle pick and then threw it over to first, wide right of first. Crony had to do like a backhand pick, kind of like the one from center on the Grish throw. Um, Obviously this one today, there's a lot that I could point to with, with Crony. He's been great. And I don't want to keep focusing on the past with the other first baseman, but there's no way that the other first baseman would be this good at first base uh, with all these athletic plays, athletic chances that he would have had. Just like Crony has had, Crony's made a ton of plays that that other guy, no way he would make. Um, what a day for Juan Soto today, huh? One for two, three runs driven in, and you're like, why do you only have two at bats? If you didn't watch the game, he walked three times. He has walked eight times in his last five games. He is getting on base. He's got so he got on base four times today, three runs driven in on the bases clearing.
0: In that case,
1: I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily
0: bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
1: See website for details. I can watch. I I know some people are like, I'm tired of the walks. We don't pay him to walk. But his at-bats are so entertaining. I know I probably said this when Soto first debuted with the Padres. And like, man, watching him every day, these at-bats are freaking entertaining. I'm saying it now again because watching him today, yeah, That whenever he takes a strike, it's like, come on, dude, swing the bat, obviously like last night. But when he walks and the pitch is leading up to the walk, it's pretty. Uh, I, I, I appreciate that, at least. Uh, some might not, and they don't care, but I do. So another three-hit game for Grish today. And Xander Bogarts. His 30-game on base streak ended. I'll get to Brett Sullivan here in a moment. So here's what happened. Bogart singled the right, and Soto was on first. I think this was after one of his three walks. He's running to second. He thinks that the right fielder caught the ball because the right fielder kind of picked the ball on a dive. He thinks that he caught the ball in the air. So he's on second. He runs past second, actually. And then he has to hit second again, go back to first. Or no, no, no. He tries to go back to first. He doesn't have to because it wasn't caught in the air. He tries to go back to first because he thinks that the right fielder caught the ball and Xander's out. It was just a fly out or a line out to right. But it was a single. It dropped. So Soto gets thrown out at second. That goes down as a fielder's choice. It goes down as what, nine to six or nine four, whoever was covering second base for the Reds. So that counts as not a hit for Bogey, which I think is stupid. I mean, Soto, he went past second base and then came back. It's obviously a single. It wasn't like Bogart's hit a ground ball to second base or a ground ball to shortstop, and the Reds couldn't turn a double play. No Bogarts, he hit a single. That error was on the on Soto. I think that's dumb that Bogarts is not awarded a hit there, and or at least not awarded. It doesn't count for his on base streak, but I'm counting it. This guy has a 31 game on base streak because guess what? He got on base today. Is that what it is? A walk is not considered, um, what an at bat, right? But you got on base, right? What if he? hit a ground ball to third, the guy airmailed the first base when he gets on base. That's not considered an on-base streak. He got on base. Like hit by pitches, it's on base. He got on base, right? He got on base here. So his on-base streak should actually continue, I think. Uh, I'm just acting like his on-base streak is at 31 now instead of zero. Uh, But maybe that's just me. I I think that's sucked that, bogeys on base streak ended like that because his last at-bat struck out. Yeah, I see this from Devin. Devin says, "Sucks." Sanders on base streak is officially over. Kind of mad at Soto for not reading the ball, but at the same time mistakes happen, it's baseball. Another mistake happened today. Kind of funny. Mike Schilt, former Cardinals manager, third base coach, filling in for um, Matt Williams because Matt Williams is recovering from surgery. And he forgets, what was this, the eighth inning, bottom eight? And Bogart's coming up to the plate. This is before he struck out there. And Schilt is running off the field like it's the end of the inning. But there are only two outs in the inning. So even, even coaches sometimes, former managers forget how many outs there are in an inning. But yeah, Bogart's, so a couple times today, he had his hands up. Like, stop, stop. Saying stop the shield with two outs there, and saying stop Soto, or not saying stop Soto, but saying go, go, go to second. Um, kind of directing traffic there, which unfortunately ended Xanders on base streak, at least officially in the rule in the scorebook. I he got on base. I think it should count. You get on base, it's literally called on base streak. He got on base. He was on base. So I think it should count. All right. Anything else from today's game? I mean, Soto, let's talk about Soto here for a minute, like his last five games, because he is really heating up right now. He is looking really good at the plate. Over his last five, so he went one for two, on Wednesday here, three runs driven in three walks, eight walks in his last five games, eight for 17, five extra base hits, two runs scored, eight runs driven in. He had the home run in Mexico city. He had that extra base hit off the wall, I believe on Monday night in his first at bat. It just seems like this is like the Juan Soto we were expecting. And, the Juan Soto that a lot of Nationals fans saw consistently when he was in Washington for those first three years, right? Because I know he struggled even before he came over to the Padres in 2022 with the Nationals. Um, But, yeah, I'm encouraged by what I've seen. Are there going to be rollovers still? Yes, there's rollovers with everyone. Hitting major league pitching is hard. But I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing. I, I still wish that he would swing the bat a little bit more. Um, if he's not going to swing, you know, first or second strike on borderline pitches, I guess I'm okay with that. But when there's two strikes, he's got to be swinging. If you strike out, you strike out, but at least you swung. Uh, and it's a borderline pitch, especially like when the game's on the line, like it was on Tuesday. Like, you, I think you got to swing the bat in that situation, but. I love what I'm seeing so far uh, in this homestand, technically, because the Mexico games were counted as Padres' home games. I'm seeing a much better Juan Soto and have the off day on Thursday before the Dodger series, and hopefully he can continue this in the Dodger series. He loves hitting third, I'll tell you that. I-, I think Bob Melvin has found a spot for Juan Soto hitting third. Uh, Nando's probably going to lead off most times, and then you can have Manny hit second you can have bogarts hit fourth or maybe have bogarts hit second with uh manny hitting fourth um but i mean soto they were talking about it on the broadcast on Bally maybe it was mud or Don. like soto it's pretty clear he likes hitting third just based off of his career numbers um let me see i know this isn't going to be updated Juan Soto, let me look up his splits in the three hole in his career because I believe they are much better than like the two hole or any other spot in the order. So batting third. Oh, wow. Okay. Batting third in his career, he's hitting almost 300. He has a 451 on base percentage which out of the top four spots, that's his best on-base percentage in his career. He has a 542 slug, a 993 OPS, which is just under 996, which is his OPS hitting fourth in his career. But if we go to 2023, which is probably what most Padres fans care about, um, what is he doing out of the three-hole this year, and what is he doing out of other spots this year? So this year, he's only hit second or third. So far, this year hitting second, he has a 091 batting average, a 245 on base percentage, and a 182 slugging percentage, 427 OPS. Yikes. So that's 12 games, 19 games batting third, a 313 batting average, 470 on base percentage, 578 slugging percentage and a 1,048 OPS. So again, 091 batting second average, 313 batting third this year, 245 on base percentage batting second, 470 batting third, 182 slug batting second, 578 batting third, 427 OPS batting second, 1048 batting third. Much better numbers batting third. Is that Maybe that's him seeing more pitches, seeing an additional batter in that first inning. I don't know what it is. Maybe he just has more confidence in his head when he's batting third, or it's just a coincidence. I don't know. But I think it would be smart for Bomell to keep him in the three-hole until he struggles in the three-hole, and then you can change it around if you want to. But, yeah, I love what I'm seeing recently out of Juan Soto. All right. I'll get to some more Padres news and notes and to the comments after this break. I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's underdog fantasy. They have great pick 'em games and best ball tournaments. In pickup games, just pick higher or lower on two to five players' stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross team, cross league, and even cross sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy, and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest. The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways, including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes or if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy to use website and mobile apps. Sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code, Friars, and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. All right, back to the Padres. So I was talking about earlier how, yeah, we're probably going to see another Padres pinata celebration come out. Well, it's out. So I'm going to share this with you here. For anyone that's just seeing this for the first time, this is from the Padres Twitter. And there's sound to this one, so it looks like it's Ha Sung Kim just kind of describing it for the podcast audience. So Ha Sung Kim, he is going to hand over the sombrero, the the stick to hit the pinata, it looks like that's what he's doing, to Brett Sullivan. And Bob Melvin's in the background watching. So there's that. So Crony had some interesting dance moves there again. Um, Tatis is there holding a beer. Look, I like the celebration. I don't know if this is going to continue all year long, but I am totally with the Padres players having fun after they win a, a major league baseball game. I don't care who they're playing. I've never played in major league baseball, obviously, but I'm sure it's really hard to win a major league baseball game because there's a lot of good talent on the other side, regardless of who they're playing, except maybe for like the A's. Those are probably minor leaguers. Uh, It's like a triple A team there. But besides them, it's probably hard. So, yeah, celebrate. Celebrate these victories. I don't know if it's going to get old. Because it looks like they're having a good time, and there's going to be a new hero for every game, right? It's not like it's the same person leading it, probably. Um, so, yeah, keep doing it. Keep having fun. Like if that's what is going to keep the season light for them, and then do it. You know, uh, Josh Hader, he took home the National League reliever of the month award, a .69 ERA in the month of April, 13 innings of work, 17 punch outs and 10 saves in April. And with the save number, he could have more saves than that. If the Padres offense would, would have been more consistent in the month of April. Right. It felt like there were a lot of those shutouts, one run performances, right. They score seven runs in the next day. They score no runs, no runs, one run, and then like seven runs, you know, um, and when they score the seven runs, like that's not a safe situation either. So look, I'm I don't, if they score seven runs, then I don't, I don't care if Hader pitches or not, but I'm talking about the zero run games, the one run game, two run where Hader doesn't get in cause they they're losing. Uh, if the offense was more consistent, he would have more than 10 saves, but he leads the leagues and leads the league in saves well-deserved reliever of the month award. And if it wasn't for Ronald Acuna Jr. in the national league. For his start, I think Xander Bogarts would probably win the NL Player of the Month for the, mo- the first month of the season because he was tremendous, obviously. got on base in every game of that month. I think led the Padres in home runs. I mean, tremendous. You look on fan graphs, and right now, or at least this morning when I checked, I can check again. Let's see. Let's see here. You go to fan graphs, the batting leaders, or just look at F4. Xander Bogarts is third, second in the National League. Matt Chapman is one. Acuna is second at 1-9. And then Bogarts is third, tied with James Outman for the Dodgers, who's coming into town, at 1-7. So there's been a couple stars for this Padres team uh, so far in that first month of the season. So well-deserved for Josh. We know he's going to get paid a lot of money. We'll see if the Padres are willing to do that. I think a lot of that will depend on how Robert Suarez does this year. Like, is he going to come back? How is he going to look when he comes back? Because at the time when the extension happened was, or not the extension, but they re-signed him to that five-year deal. It was like, yeah, Hader can walk. We have our closer. But if Suarez has to have like Tommy John or he just isn't himself, then maybe Seidler's going to feel desperate and be like, well, I know Preller has had a history of filling this closer role with one-year, two-year guys, but Josh Hader is the best reliever in baseball. He likes it here. The fans keep showing up, and we are they're definitely going to break the sellout record. Uh, they're already like halfway there, or they're going to be halfway there uh, after this Dodger-Padre series this weekend. All three games will probably be sellouts. Um, they're getting the money. They're getting the revenue and even if they're not like Seidler is still going to keep spending cuz he all he cares about is winning. That's what it, sure he cares about the business but he's a fan first. That's what it feels like and I love that about him. So if the Suarez situation doesn't look that great at the end of the year, then maybe we're going to see Josh Hader return with the Padres on a 100 plus million dollar contract because as of now, that's what it's going to take. That that's it diaz got what 102 million the price keeps going up in free agency at right like every position if they're the newest best guy out there is going to get paid more than what the other guy was or what the the last year's best guy was you know uh getting back to tuesday tuesday right i'm losing track of days here yeah today was wednesday Matt says, I like Hader in the ninth, but Grish definitely should have bunted. Yeah, I mean, so like I said, in in that situation, like while the game was happening, I thought Grish should have bunted. Have a a runner on third, one out, Tatis coming up. Like, I would have liked that because I was thinking of like, let's extend this. But when you have your top three guys up, the guy's already in scoring position. You don't have to give away an out. You could get all three guys up at the plate, which is what happened. And Grish got on, looking at it in hindsight. like They just should have come through. They had to come through, and they didn't. No one did. They went 0 for 12 with runners in scoring position on Tuesday. So looking back on it, I was fine with Bomo, what Bomo did. Devin says, Bomo did the right thing. Trying to win the game and Grish getting on base was a good choice. The problem was the main guys didn't come through, and that's on them. Yep, pretty much what I just said, yep. J.D.'s third, can Soto, Machado, and Tatis hit good pitching? Seems like the wins in Mexico and against the Reds are lackluster and doesn't tell us much. The Dodgers series will be a good measuring stick. I guess that's a good point. I mean, Mexico, yeah, obviously, that was a hitter's ballpark for sure. That was like hitter's heaven. I mean, Austin Nola homered. But, I mean, all three of these guys – we know how talented they are. You could say, you know, the jury's still out on Soto and Manny. What's going to happen there? Tatis, the limited sample size. So, yeah, um, I'm fine with people saying that, yeah, the Dodgers series is going to be a good measuring stick. I, I I do agree with you. But it is going to be three games in an 162-game season. So, We'll measure it now, and we'll definitely react and probably overreact to those three games and how those guys did in those three games. Like, if Soto sucks, man. So he hits well against the Reds and the Giants in Mexico, but doesn't do anything against Kershaw, May, and Arias. What is Soto really that good? Um, But it is three games. So we do – just, I mean, just like, you know, the five – These last five games for Soto, where he's been playing well, it's just five games as well. So I can be encouraged by those five games, but it's also just five games as well. So if I'm going to not overreact to a small sample size when a player does bad, I can't overreact to a small sample size when a player does good either, you know. But it's still a good stat, obviously, encouraging the last five games from Juan. And Tatis, I think he's done pretty good at the plate. There's been some times where he's been maybe overly aggressive or taken long swings, but he's hitting the ball hard, usually, when he's hitting it. JD's Third says, Bo Mid is a player's coach. He's a cheerleader, which is great. However, he can't motivate and inspire. No fire. He is reactive and not proactive. Well, what I would say to that is how do you know that he can't motivate how do you know he can't inspire no fire how do you know that last year in arizona when they were struggling there isn't he the one that had that meeting i know there was the players only meeting the next day but isn't he the one that had a meeting and got pissed off and called players out in the media and what happened they started playing better right so i disagree with that especially i mean and i don't even want to comment too much on if he can inspire or doesn't have any fire because we're not in, I'm not in the locker room. I don't know. So how can you say he has no fire? He can't motivate when you're you're not in that clubhouse. You're not behind the scenes. I I think he's a great manager. There's been some questionable decisions that he has made in the postseason last year, during the regular season last year, or sometimes maybe this year for some fans but he's one of the best managers in baseball. So I'm grateful to have him as the manager of this team. Matt says 500 million is light for Soto. He needs a short-term deal. 3 years, 2 billion. Uh now, he'll, I won't be surprised to see him get, over, if he gets over 500, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's what he's looking for, but the Padres and him, they're probably not even having conversations about an extension or a contract because the Padres need to see Soto do this consistently. I think if they want to have a conversation about that and Soto wouldn't want to negotiate now because he's gotten off to a bad start with the Padres, right? He, he would want to negotiate after having a season like Manny had, Last year, right, coming off the MVP. JD's third, man, he's just being a total uh, party pooper, huh? Bogey had every opportunity to get on base. That play is not why he couldn't extend his hitting streak. Well, uh, it it is because he got a hit. Soto's the one that ran himself into an out, and it's a feeler's choice, and that was not a hit. So it didn't count on his on-base streak. So, no, that is why. Uh, I understand your point. Like, he struck out his last at-bat. I think grounded out to third in one of the other at-bats. I understand that. But, no, Bogarts did get – he did his job today to get on base in one of the at-bats. Soto's the one that screwed him. And maybe Soto will treat him to a nice dinner or something. Maybe Bogey can ask for a watch like Nick Martinez did, right? Uh – when Martinez gave Soto number 22, because Martinez is 21 now. Just going through the chat here. Yeah, total party pooper today, huh, JD's third? I wish they'd focus on their team offense rather than dancing and having fun or dancing and jiving fun comes when you're handling your business at the plate baseball is hard sometimes well guess what they're playing good baseball they've won four of their last five games so yet no they are playing better so i think they can dance and have fun it's a long season it's hard to win baseball games i'm sorry if you're one of those people that Is like, well, they just won four out of five. You got to have serious face. No smiling, no having fun, no dancing. I don't know what to tell you. Find somewhere else then. Go listen to someone else. I'm totally fine with them having fun. I think they play better when they have fun and keep things light. Matt says the Reds have a viable roster that's a triple-A squad as well. Not as much as the A's, though. Yeah, I know they're not one of the better teams in baseball, but the Padres are just playing on playing who is on their schedule, right? So we'll see what happens against the Dodgers this weekend. It's only three games, but I know we're going to overreact to that. JD's third says Ben is really biased and blinded by his love for the Padres. We love them, but we can be honest about how they stack up to others. Appreciate great talent across the league. Uh yeah, I am biased a little bit. Yeah, because I'm a Padres fan. Am I am I just supposed to sit here and not be a little biased like I'm a fan? I'm a diehard fan of this team. But I tell you how I see it. Like I'm not sitting up here lying to you like, I feel one way, and I'm saying that I don't feel that way, and feel, I'm feeling another way. No. The way I feel is the way I feel. All right. Any more comments? Let me know. Uh, put them in the chat. Rone says, Melvin is the man. I tend to agree with that. Any more, cadres? Okay, so let, let's... Let's talk about this Dodger-Padres series that's coming up. huh? So they have the off day on Thursday, Padres-Dodgers starting on Friday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, night game, technically night game, all three games of the series, 6.40 start on Friday, Joe Musgrove against Clayton Kershaw on Cinco de Mayo. That will be great. I cannot wait for that game, cannot wait for Friday night. That's going to be great. Uh, Joe, yeah, he struggled in Mexico, but we know that he is an ace-caliber pitcher. And Clayton Kershaw, he is pitching like it's 2015 or 2012. He's still doing it. So that's going to be a great pitching matchup. Hopefully that's the best pitching matchup of the weekend. Then Saturday, it'll be Dustin May on the mound for the Dodgers against Yu Darvish. That game's at 540, and then on Sunday, ESPN's in town. Sunday night baseball, it will be Blake Snell coming off his best start of the year, at least results-wise, six innings, uh, no walks. He is going up against Julio Rios. That is going to be at 410 on ESPN, Sunday night baseball, obviously all games on 97.3, the fan as well, on the radio. I'm excited. I mean, the, the Dodgers... They got off to a slow start. Max Muncy's now hitting like Babe Ruth. So we're probably catching him at the wrong time. Padres are probably going to have to be careful with him. But I think the Padres are a better team than the Dodgers. And these three games are not going to prove if I'm wrong or right, because it's just three games. But we're going to overreact to the three games, because this is the first time the Padres have played the Dodgers with Bogarts, Tati, Soto, and Manny all on the same team, all in the same lineup, right? And this is the first time that the Padres have played the Dodgers since they lost Trey Turner and Justin Turner, right, and lost some key guys in the bullpen. Um, so, yeah, we're going to overreact to it. Uh, but I'm excited. Padres, Dodgers, I mean, it is a rivalry. I mean, Dave Roberts, he told the media that he switched up I don't know if he switched it up, but he lined up. I saw this from Fabian Ardera. He writes uh, on the Dodgers, I believe, for The Athletic. And he said earlier today that Dave Roberts has lined up the Dodgers rotation, these three pitchers, for this Padres series. He wanted his best three guy on the mound for this Padres series. So, yeah, it is a rivalry. Yeah, he cares about winning these games. He wants to put his best foot forward in these three games. And the Padres, I know they have their three guys going up too, and I don't know if they line that up in spring training, like, oh, we're playing the Dodgers. This I mean, they couldn't have because Musgrove was hurt, right? Maybe they lined it up based on, like, when he came back, like they knew he was going to be ready for the Arizona start, so they lined it up then. I don't know. But it feels like the Dodgers definitely tried to line this up. While the Padres, I mean, this is just what is happening. They had a six-man, then it went to five. And this is how it lines up. Super excited about this. Uh, the Dodgers, obviously, they just beat the Phillies. And right now, if we look at the standings in the National League West, I know it's early. You could say, Ben, it's early. Why are you looking at the standings? I don't I don't look at the standings too much, but it's the first time we're playing the Dodgers just checking in on how it's going. We're two games back. we're 17 and 15 right now. the Dodgers as I speak are 19 and 13. Now run differential there's a big difference. The Dodgers, their run differential is plus 42. The Padre's run differential is negative three uh, but the Dodgers offense I think has been better than the Padre's offense at least consistently to start the season. Dodgers on the road are 7-7. Padres at home are 9-9. Last 10 games, Dodgers are 8-2. The Padres are 7-3. So both teams are playing better baseball as of late. And the Dodgers, who are we going to see? Just for anyone that's kind of just tuning in to the Dodgers, maybe for the first time this weekend, you're going to see Mookie Betts. I don't know if you'll see him at shortstop, but he has played there a little bit. You're going to see Mookie. You're going to see Freddie. You're going to see Will Smith, Max Muncy, probably Jason Hayward a little bit. James Outman just run, just won Rookie of the Month in the National League. David Peralta, Miguel Vargas, uh, Austin Barnes maybe for a game. Uh, Chris Taylor. because obviously no Gavin Lux. Trey Turner is gone. Justin Turner is gone. So you're probably going to be seeing some new guys that maybe you haven't heard of or You've heard of them, but you don't know a whole lot about. But usually the, the the Dodgers, regardless of who they call up or the new guys that we don't know, they end up being really good still. You know, Matt Beatty, remember with the Dodgers, he was good. Whoever they call up, it seems like they always perform. You know, so it's going to be a good series. And the Padres, the key, I think is getting length out of the starting pitching, obviously. Coming through with runners in scoring position. I think the Padres have the bullpen advantage. They have the best reliever in baseball, in my opinion. I think starting pitching, I'll put them toe-to-toe with the Dodgers three right now. Um, And lineup-wise, yeah, you might see the Dodgers and think, well, you probably have to give them the lineup edge because of the, the big names that they have. The Padres have big names as well, but the way that Max Muncy is coming back and playing amazing after struggling really badly to start off the season. And he struggled a little bit last year as well. You're like, well, maybe they're hotter than the Padres. But if you watch watched the Padres recently, these last like five games since Mexico, the Padres are playing pretty good baseball. So. They're definitely able to take two out of three in this series. If I had to predict, I would say the Padres win Friday night. They win Saturday night. And then the game that they that they would lose would be on Sunday with Snell on the mound. But Snell might step up and live up to that big moment. Uh, Sunday night baseball, national audience. Padres-Dodgers coming off six innings last time around. Padres could sweep. I mean, the Dodgers could sweep as well if the Padres' offense obviously gets cold. Um, I don't see a sweep happening. I see the Padres taking two out of three, though. All right, back to the chat here, and then I'll get to some other San Diego sports stuff. Matt says, how is Kershaw still successful? He's like a lefty Jeff Weaver at this point. Oh, man. Uh, Because he's not. He's actually not. Um, and it's isn't it? I think you're referring to Jared Weaver, not Jeff, right? Because Jared Weaver was trash with the Padres. When was that? 2016, 2015? Gosh, he sucked. I remember him getting booed off the mound. I was at the I was at that game at Petco. Um. Well, Kershaw's being successful because he still is using that those breaking pitches very effectively, and. I mean, he keeps doing it year in and year out. I think it's the consistency. And sometimes he doesn't stay healthy for a full year, but he's obviously hitting his spots. And what I would point to is the breaking pitches. I mean, that's what has been – he's not someone that blows people away with velocity, right? So it feels like most of the time in his career, it's always been the breaking pitches. That is what is set him apart, like ridiculously good breaking ball, right? Chad says, nice to see Tim Hill get through an inning with like six pitches. Yeah, he's been pitching a lot. J.D.'s third says Outman, Rookie of the Year. Yeah, I thought it was going to be Jordan Walker, and it could still be, but he just recently got sent down. So, I mean, obviously if Outman continues this, then yeah. But it could be Outman. It could be who they just called up. Gavin Stone, I think the Dodgers did. Um, Francisco Alvarez with the Mets. Brett Beatty. Jordan Walker with the Cardinals, obviously. Those are just some names that pop into my head. Um, someone says here, if we couldn't sweep the reds, what makes us think we'll sweep the Dodgers? Uh, because it's, it's, well, I don't think they're going to sweep the Dodgers. I think they can just like I thought they could sweep the reds. They didn't because the offense didn't show up, but they can, because look at the performances that they put up two of the three games against the reds. Um, if the offense can come through, the pitching has been pretty good. If the offense can come through with runners in scoring position, then they can sweep the Dodgers. I think that would be my answer to that. All right. Let's get to some other San Diego sports here. San Diego state. So Sam Scholl moving over to the basketball program here, Sam Scholl, he was an assistant at San Diego state last year and he is leaving after one year. I guess they made it clear to him when he first, signed on with san diego state after being let go by usd as their head basketball coach san diego state made it clear to him like this is like a one-year deal and so sam Scholl now moves on from san diego state who just made it to the national championship game to montana state not as the head coach as an assistant coach and so some are probably like why is he doing that well It's because he has a great friend that is the head coach for Montana State. And they have a really good relationship. They watch Seahawks games over uh, at each other's houses together. Um, So when you saw that and who's the coach, Matt Logie, I think is his name. I think he coached at Point Loma Nazarene, I believe. It made sense why uh, Shoal is going to Montana State. Also, on the basketball side of things, San Diego State, they've been recruiting some big men, obviously, because Keisha Johnson, he entered the transfer portal. Uh, Nathan Mensah, obviously, is not coming back because of eligibility, right? Agueca Rope is not coming back because of eligibility, right? He has gotten his years out. So they've been looking for some big men to replace those guys. One of those guys was Josiah Alec. And he was from New Mexico, or he he was at New Mexico last year, and that would have been big for them. And he ended up picking Nebraska. And there's more NIL money there. San Diego State, they get like the players get, I think, $2,000 a month, men's and women's basketball players from the Mesa Foundation uh, in exchange for like doing stuff, I think, in the community. That's like nothing compared to what Nebraska, a Big Ten school, right? what those big schools can offer to these players. And that's a disadvantage for San Diego state. It also made sense why Alec picked uh, Lincoln or Nebraska. He grew up in Lincoln and his family went to Nebraska, some family members. So I think one of his family members played football there. Another I think is on the volleyball team. So it made sense, but yeah, disappointing obviously that they can't bring him in. And then Warren Washington, seven uh, feet tall from Arizona State transfer. He is being offered $500,000 in NIL that San Diego State can't match. He's visiting TCU. Uh, I believe he's visiting Texas Tech this week. So I assume that San Diego State isn't the favorite to land Warren Washington. I don't know what other targets they're going to have, but those were two guys that. San Diego State was definitely eyeing and trying to get that they might not get. We know they're not going to get at least one and now they might not get uh Warren Washington either. Uh which which would stink obviously, but that's just the reality for San Diego State. Like I know Dutch and the coaching staff they're they're still just going fi- to they're going to find someone, they're going to find multiple guys that will be able to be good fits for this program. But those were like two big talents that we were hearing about. And San Diego State just, it's a disadvantage. They just don't have as much NIL money uh, as available to give to these players as other big time schools. That's just the way it is. Um, And unfortunately, Rope's brother, uh, dang, he died in a car accident this year. I think it was in April. Really, really sucks. Uh, but he put up this was really cool. He put up um a GoFundMe to pay for the funeral, obviously, because his family was not obviously financially ready to pay for it when because it it, because of how uh just how sudden his death happened, uh a rope's brother. So he put up a GoFundMe and I believe last time I checked over $50,000 had been raised for uh, a rope and this funeral. So San Diego state fans or San Diego sports fans or just basketball fans that know of ropes name now because of March madness and everything, they definitely showed up uh, and supported him and his family. So that was really, really cool to see Um, San Diego wave. They play just, Quick reminder, they play on Saturday. They play the Washington Spirit. So that's going to be a fun match to watch. Not at home, but it's in Washington. Um, obviously Trinity Rodman, uh, Trinity Rodman, excuse me, Ashley Hatch, uh Andy Sullivan. Who am I forgetting? Totally uh, Ashley Sanchez, totally I totally blinked on her. They're gonna be there, obviously, with the Spirit. So it's gonna be a tough match, I would think. And We'll see if the wave can get Alex Morgan back. She did not play in the last match. Their first home loss of the year against Orlando last weekend. Taylor Korniak's still been out with an injury. Um, so we'll see if they can get a little bit healthier, have have some more players available this weekend. Uh, but that should be fun. It's going to be available on national television on CBS, not streamed on well, it will be streamed on Paramount Plus, but they'll have the option you'll have the option to watch it nationally. So that'll be cool. Um obviously getting that national spotlight. I believe it's at 10 a.m. here, West Coast time. So that'll be fun to watch. I'll definitely have a reaction to that probably either on Saturday or on Sunday. All right, let's get back to the chat. Anything else here? Uh JD's third says we declare ourselves World Series champions if we sweep the Dodgers. Games don't count and it's still early only if we win. What? No, you mean Oh JD's third says we lose and everything is fine too early. Games don't count and it's still early only if we win. No, no. No. I don't I, I say it's early both ways the team's performing really well. Well, it's May 3rd They They weren't performing well offensively. Well, it's May 3rd. Haven't even played 40 games yet. You know, the 40 game mark, like I've said, like that's where I think we can really start looking at this team and taking a good look uh, because it is factual to say that it is still early. Kathy says offense isn't hitting consistently enough for a sweep. Unfortunately. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's up and down. I I, I agree. I I think they're doing better. You know, they've won four of their last five games and yeah, there's, I wouldn't be surprised to see a one run or two run performance this weekend, you know, and they, they can score like four or five maybe in two of the three games and win the series that way. Look, I'm not saying that they are going to sweep. I don't think they will. If they come through with runners in scoring position, then I think they can. All right. I think that's going to do it. I think that's all I had here. Padres take two out of three against the Reds. Dodgers series coming up Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the off day on Thursday. It's going to be a fun weekend of San Diego sports. So can't wait uh, to see what happens. And obviously we'll react to it as it goes here on YouTube with post-game reactions and pre-game thoughts. Uh, and then a series reaction on Sunday after Sunday night baseball in the series finale. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Just a quick reminder. Again, you can use my code talking fires on SeatGeek for $20 off your order. Uh, underdog fantasy. Great place for higher, lower pickums, best ball drafts, breaking tee dot com. You can use the link in the description for great San Diego sports swag and visit gaglionbros.com for their full menu. They have that main Friars Road location. They are open at Petco Park this weekend for that Padres Dodgers series. They're open at Petco Park all season long. All right, that'll do it. Thanks everyone for your time and have a great one.